Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Aristotle Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Aristotle Pacific Capital, the sub-advisor for the Aristotle Funds Fixed Income Funds. Hello, and welcome to number 62. In the next 10 minutes, we will take a look at what was a weak market in September, the resilient economy, the Federal Reserve's new forecast, and some opportunities in fixed income. Let's begin. Let's dive right into the September markets. It was pretty weak for equities and most of fixed income. Equity indices were lower by around 5% across the board. So one of the takeaways is it really wasn't sector rotation or a move between growth and value, but a general risk-off sentiment given the steady downward pressure. The anchor of this downward move, though, was interest rates, in my opinion. The Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index was down about 2.5% in the month. That index is now down 1% for the year, and we're just a few days into October, and the index is down 1-plus percent with Treasury rates hitting 15-year highs. I really think the market is simply coming to grips with a, quote, higher-for-longer rate environment. Also, going into the year, seven major banks on average forecasted rates on the 10-year Treasury. Again, the 10-year Treasury today is sitting around 4.7. At the end of September, it was about 4.6. On average, the banks predicted Treasury yields would be around 3.8%, with the majority of them predicting Treasury yields would drop. So this is something that has certainly surprised pundits and markets this year. The good part is these are yields we have not seen since before the global financial crisis. So what's happening? I mean, for one, the U.S. economy has been more resilient than many predicted, and I'll touch on that in a couple minutes. There's been a ton of supply coming into the markets through deficit spending and through quantitative tightening by the Fed. So there's just a lot of technical pressure on Treasury rates. Labor has been resilient, thus resulting in inflation being more resilient as well. So what do I think about the rest of the year? Well, my opinion, unless something changes the situation meaningfully, I think the pressure will remain on fixed income, pushing rates higher. Although I do think rates are a little higher than they should be, but the current momentum is taking rates higher, even though inflation is moving lower. And if investors choose not to fight the Fed, the yield curve should move up. So what is the current base case for the Fed? Right now, odds for a hike this quarter sit around 40%. But in the September meeting, the Fed adjusted their forecast via the dot plots. The focus for me was on their forecast for next year, 2024. Back in June, the Fed base case was Fed funds ending around 4.5%, which would mean three to four cuts next year. With the September dot plots, their base case is now a 5% Fed funds rate in 24, which means around two cuts. But those cuts are later in middle to late 2024, which is dramatically different than what we had beginning this year, which was three to four cuts in 2023. So there's been a market move in rates staying higher during this nine-month period of 2023. Let's touch a little bit on inflation, and in particular, CPI, or the Consumer Price Index. The August number came in, and CPI is up about 3.7% year over year. Now remember, the Fed is targeting 2%, so we still are above the 2% number. But when we look a little deeper, it it gets interesting. Housing represents almost 35% of CPI. 
the housing component came in at 7.3% year over year. Housing is a major factor in driving up the CPI numbers. Food, for example, which represents about 13% of CPI, was up 4% year over year. The remaining categories were below the 3.7 average. Energy, even though we had a recent move up in the uh, price of oil, energy is down almost 4% year over year. Services are up about 3 But the real takeaway is if you were to strip away the shelter component of CPI, the rest of the components come under 2%. Essentially, if shelter rolls over, that does give the Fed room to pause and start cutting rates. And shelter is something that typically lags. So if we're seeing rents or the cost of shelter flatten out now, it'll take about three to six months to roll into the CPI numbers. That is something to keep an eye on. Another area of the economy is employment. We are seeing various employment data points trend lower. So for example, job openings spiked at 7.5% because of factors caused by the pandemic. And the data is coming in, it seems to have peaked in 2022. Now we're starting to see a trend towards the historical average of about 4%. Will it return to 4? Don't know. That'll be determined. It is tracking now between 5 and 6. So most data points on labor are showing that employment cost, wages, growth are rolling over from their peak in 2022. Now, if you take a step back on a more secular level, the country does need more skilled labor. Boomers are retiring, which that's technically disinflationary as folks outside of the workforce typically spend less. However, we do need more teachers, engineers, pilots, medical workers, mechanics. It tells me that labor will continue to have more leverage in this decade than it did in the previous decade. Also means that the cost of labor will result most likely in stickier inflation. Common theme is higher for longer. I want to briefly touch on the, quote, resilient economy. We ended Q3. We won't get the Q3 numbers, the first print of Q3, until later this month or later October. The Atlanta Fed GDP now currently forecasts that third quarter gross domestic product will come in 45 to 5%. That's a big number. So we did as we compared that to what forecasts were at the beginning of the year. Again, seven major banks had forecasts for third quarter GDP, of which most of them were negative. So, so going into this year, the consensus was we would be in the beginning or the middle of a recession in Q3, but the expectations now are that we actually have a pretty big third quarter print for GDP. That to me is the anchor in the surprise of markets. The economy has not gone into recession. Third quarter is much more robust than the beginning of the year. Thus, interest rates moved up. Inflation is stickier. That's really been the story of 2023. So as we move into the fourth quarter, what are some concerns around that? Well, first, the consumer is showing to run out of their COVID savings. So this is especially true for a lot of lower income consumers. Two, with the consumer depleting most of their COVID savings, inflation has come to mind. And you're seeing that flow through with a lot of these union negotiations. Given this, I am interested to see if spending habits begin to change. Will travel, dining, or large purchases be reduced? Will the consumer buy a new iPhone or skip a cycle? Will they buy a new car? Will they go out less? All these habits are going to be interesting to see over the next six to nine months to see where we really sit as an economy. Now let's chat about fixed income. The yield on the aggregate index sits at nearly five and a half now. 
U.S. Treasuries are approaching 5%. Short-term investments are sitting around that number. That's a base case. So from a low-risk standpoint, 5% is what you're able to get. If you step out a little bit on the risk spectrum and go into short-term corporate debt, that gets you in the 6% range. And it's amazing since 6% used to be the yield for junk bonds just a couple years ago. If you hope to get more than 6%, there's a couple things going on. One, you can step out and buy longer-term rates. Now, the thing is, because of the yield curve, longer-term rates don't compensate you more from a coupon standpoint. You're actually going to speculate that rates would drop. Another way to get more than 6% is to lower your credit quality, where you go into high-yield bonds or bank loans. In this case, you are getting paid to wait, maybe an extra 4 to 5% on top of that per year by doing this, but you are taking increased credit risk. So from the standpoint of where I see opportunities, I'll stick to what I've been saying for the past few months. I've, I really like the barbell strategy where you're buying lower duration assets, such as floating rate loans, and you couple that with longer duration assets, such as investment-grade bonds. Again, different than your classic bond ladder where you tend to space out maturities equally. So if yields go up, in that particular case, your longer duration assets get hit, your loans end up perform- should hold in as they've had, and you can rebalance and vice versa. I think this approach may do a nice job balancing the volatility from interest rates. Lastly, I will close with a personal reflection. Fall is here. I love fall. I think it's a great time of year. The weather cools off. The leaves change. Football's here. Baseball playoffs have started. My wife loves pumpkins, Halloween. And so far, I've gone to outdoor concerts, dined outdoors, visited the beach. I would just say, soak it up. Winter is going to be here in a matter of weeks. So just get away from the nonsense and get outdoors. I'll leave you with that. Thank you and stay tuned. The views in this commentary are as of the date recorded and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice, as market and other conditions warranted. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed.